This week, the CEO of Alberta Women Entrepreneurs joins us to talk about how female entrepreneurs can help bolster the post-pandemic economy. Plus, the first commercial strawberry facility at the Edmonton International Airport and Women in AI Canada has a new Edmonton lead. Hi, I'm Emily Rendell-Watson. And I'm Faiza Ramji. And this is Bloom, the podcast about innovation in Edmonton. So we're two years into a pandemic that has created a lot of challenges for a lot of people, but it has undoubtedly set female entrepreneurship back. Women around the world have overwhelmingly taken on childcare, homeschooling, and more duties, which have obviously led to renewed calls to close the gender gap and reaffirm women's rights. With International Women's Day coming up on March 8th, we wanted to bring on Marcella Mandeville. She's the CEO of Alberta Women Entrepreneurs, and here's her conversation with Emily about female entrepreneurship and why we need women entrepreneurs more than ever to bolster the economy. Hi, Marcella. Hi. So tell me a little bit about what you do at Alberta Women Entrepreneurs. Right. So Alberta Women Entrepreneurs is a not-for-profit association. We are celebrating our 27th year this year in 2022. And we've been working with entrepreneurs at all stages of business across Alberta for this many years. We offer a variety of ways for entrepreneurs to access capital, capacity, and connections. And we do this through our own financing program. We offer loans. We also have free advising services. We have peer mentorship programs, webinars, mini series of of sessions. So we're always evolving to meet the needs of the entrepreneurs who are out there. And we work with numerous local, regional, national, and international partners to make that happen. Okay. In terms of why is this work important to you? Um, Obviously, yourself as CEO, leading the organization, why did you want to take this on? Well, primarily, it's obviously the the importance of women in our economy and the fact that we're 51% of the population is it's in, incredibly important for us to support women, in particular in the area of entrepreneurship, because we see the value that small businesses bring to our communities and to our economy every single day. They really have been you know, the backbone of our GDP in this country for many, many years. And women have played an important part of that and will continue to and should continue to grow that presence in the economy. So I'm personally really passionate about that, having been uh, an entrepreneur myself in the past and having seen the importance of supporting each other to achieve our entrepreneurial dreams. And so this work that Alberta Women Entrepreneurs does and the work I do as chair of the Women's Enterprise Organizations of Canada is really aligned with that as an organization Every single one of us, we are so committed to helping entrepreneurs. So being a part of a team that's like this, being able to lead work that is making a difference, not only to the entrepreneurs we serve, but to the communities and to the economy as a whole, it's extremely motivating. Not to say it it doesn't come without its challenges, but it certainly has been the most incredible leadership journey and experience that I've ever had in my career. So as an entrepreneur yourself and then in your role now, what have you learned about how having a diversity of voices at the table can really contribute to when we talk about innovating, bringing new ideas and you know tackling some of the challenges that we think about when we think about what innovating really means? It is so important to have a diversity of voices and there has been a number of 
studies and there's a lot of work that's been done on looking at how diversity can bring such value in the boardroom, in within management, at all levels of organizations, and in, in decision-making places to be, you know, to be perfectly blunt, that's the place where we need diversity to be. And it's more than just having diversity. Uh, it is actually making sure that the voices are included in a way that's thoughtful and meaningful. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. It may create a lot of change and that can be challenging sometimes to work through. But that innovation that comes with exploring different ideas, different ways of thinking, different experiences that you can only get when there are different voices at the table is incredibly important. It brings about some of the most interesting ideas and opportunities for innovation that we can find. And we definitely need that. And especially in the world that we live in today, where we are so globally connected through technology, through family connections, through community connections, it is it is an opportunity wasted if we don't actually make sure that those voices are bringing about some incredible change that needs to happen in our society and in our economy, you know, as a whole. When you talk about that, like thoughtful inclusion, I think it makes me think about, you know, there's a lot of organizations, I think, that maybe have achieved that, uh, or maybe not a lot, but there are organizations who have obviously achieved that in terms of whether that's like 50-50 women and men on their leadership team or whatever that looks like. But once that kind of marker or equality um, to some extent is there, like what's the next step that you're, you kind of referenced a little bit in what you just said in terms of like, there needs to be a thoughtfulness in terms of like how you actually approach that. Cause it's not, I mean, it's obviously not as simple as just like ticking a box or, or, mm-hmm. you know, there being 50, 50, it, it goes beyond that too. Absolutely. It is so much more than ticking a box and it's more than numbers or, or stats. It is actually about taking the diversity that's being represented and having thoughtful conversations. So saying, here's a problem that we know we need to solve. Now together, how are we going to solve that? Or even individually, what do we bring to the table that could help us solve this problem? And that's where, that's where innovation comes from. And we find that we need to work through disagreement. We especially if we're all coming, we're sitting around a table, we're all diverse, we all have very different experiences, we have different points of view. And how we actually have a conversation, how we navigate that to solving a problem, making a decision is really important. And the idea around true inclusion is that everybody feels that their voice is important and that they have something to contribute. So this is part of that thoughtful process versus just numbers and having a certain amount of representation around a table. It's how are you leveraging those experiences and those voices to actually come up with the best decisions and the best solutions that you can, whether it's an organization or a community committee or whatever it might be, even if it's when you're, you know, sitting around, for me, it's sitting around the table with some of my, the, the people I respect and love the most, kind of my impromptu, uh, unofficial advisory committee that I work with, very diverse. But again, it's like, what kind of questions do we need to work through to come up with the best solutions? Okay. And so in terms of actually 
thinking, like building on what you just were talking about in terms of how do we actually broaden the kinds of entrepreneurs and who is working for them in Edmonton and and more broadly, I guess, Alberta as well? Well, we have, you know, when we talk numbers, we have incredible diversity here in, in Edmonton and in Alberta represented. We still have challenges with making those connections. So really making connections between different communities, between uh, different organizations, and between entrepreneurs themselves. And so, you know, at Alberta Women Entrepreneurs, one of the key things that we do to support the community is to try to help make those connections. Now, with COVID and having to go virtual, that's made it a little more challenging, but certainly still something that is so important. So while we have a lot of diversity represented in the numbers, if you look at our census or if you look at our demographic information about our province and about our city, how are we actually connecting those entrepreneurs in to to the different organizations, supports, uh, you know, if we look at the different, the, e- the, the ecosystem, and how are we making sure that those voices, that innovation that we know is happening they can be connected to each other to just become powerful and continue to build on those ideas and that growth and that innovation. I think that's where we struggle is really forming those thoughtful connections in a way that's going to create a long-term relationship and impact. But definitely, I mean, obviously worth doing that work for a lot of reasons. Can you speak to that a little bit about why having a female founder or co-founder, for example, or, you know, having more of that representation on your team leads to better success for businesses. Yeah. So if we speak directly around having a a woman co-founder or, you know, somebody in a very senior leadership decision-making place, uh, regardless of the size of the business or the organization, it comes down to that experience and that point of view. And that that is something that is distinct. So we we see it all the time and that, you know, we all unique, we individually have our own experiences and we we absorb and we interpret the world around us in very different ways. And as women too, it depends on how we're raised, how we're socialized, what kinds of opportunities, what kinds of experiences we have. And so to be able to to have women founders one, being able to step forward and really say that this experience is valuable, that I have great things to share with the world and that be respected is extremely important. And two, that role modeling to show the world, to show the next generations, to show the global marketplace that we have very, very thoughtful people, women included in making decisions around solving societal problems. A lot of great innovations coming out of Alberta, for example, or coming out of Edmonton, are not only trying to create better businesses or very, you know, look at very specific small problems, they're often looking at much bigger things that could make an impact globally and could actually improve society in many ways. In terms of getting there, some of the challenges involved with that, what's standing in the way of women's entrepreneurship? Well, we have some systemic issues that we're still trying to work our way through. This has been the the entrepreneurship and, and business world was not created by or for women historically. 
And so it has been a challenge for many, many years to break into the existing system to get access to capital, for example. And that there's there's a lot of, of information out there about the challenges around getting capital. And capital is the lifeblood of a business. It is absolutely a necessity. Uh, no one can no one can create and grow a business without money. And so there is like a, a sustainable business without money. So there is there's a history of exclusion of women. And that's something that little by little, we, we as in broader, a broader ecosystem, have been trying to create systemic change. And at AWE, that's, that's also a big part of what we do. Not only do we support entrepreneurs in being as successful as they can be, we're also trying to change the environment, change the system so that they don't have as many barriers or challenges to success. And at some point, the goal would be that an organization like ours would not need to exist because there truly is parity and there truly is no issue or barrier that a woman is going to encounter because of her gender. So this has been deeply ingrained into our society, into our systems for many, many years. And it's it's going to take, I hope, not as much time. We hope that it, you know the trajectory of change will be faster but we definitely need to really relook at those systems and how much of a disadvantage have women been placed at for for many many years in a variety of ways that has impeded their ability to be successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, and th- and this is something too that not only white women experience but also BIPOC women entrepreneurs um I you know even more I guess the intersectionality around that piece of um of it making even harder to network or to raise funds in terms of like, do you think we're even further away from, from achieving more equality, parity, et cetera, um, when it comes to, to that as well? Well, I think you're right. There are definitely different layers of challenges. And we talk a lot in the, in the gender space around intersectionality. So when you have the challenges of Zen of gender that we just spoke about, and then you layer on top of that being of a different race, being indigenous, um, you know, having a disability, uh, being a member of the LGBTQ2S plus community, et cetera. There are, there are layers upon layers, and that creates extra challenges and extra barriers. And many of them are not visible to the eye. You know, they're unconscious bias. Uh, they're unconsciously bias-based. And so this is something where when we're looking at these systemic changes, we have to look at it from that fully inclusive lens. It's not just about you know, women in general. We do have to get more specific and say, what would Indigenous women need here to feel included, to feel like, like we belong? What do racialized women need to see to feel like, like we belong? And so that's where those important questions and and that the process of looking at the system, the, all of the pieces of it, so whether it's how women are getting capital, how we're being educated, how, you know, how we're being uh, treated in the workforce, uh, et cetera, pay gaps, uh, you know, wage gaps, those are all factors in looking at what are we currently dealing with. And then on top of this, there are so many challenges 
uh, that we still have to face around racism, uh, around homophobia, around societal issues that have been quiet for a very, very long time, but have always been there and are now coming to the surface with more of these discussions that we're having around equity, diversity, inclusion, and justice. And, and obviously now adding in another complicating challenge in terms of the pandemic and, and how much, um, you know, people, of course, around the world have been impacted. But I think one of the things we've, we've heard so much about is how female um, entrepreneurs in particular, a lot of those folks in, have often are often the ones that are relied on to stay home or stay with the kids while they're still trying to potentially run their business or uh, work in, in some way they can with whatever time they can cobble together from home. How, how now that we're you know, still very much in the pandemic, but a couple years in at this point, where are things at now in terms of that for, for female entrepreneurs? It continues to be a struggle. It, there is some reopening that has been happening. There have still been, you know, challenges with, uh, you know, for example, finally be able to get a child back into daycare, into childcare. And, you know, they get a sniffle or they have a cough and, and right away they've got to be back home for two weeks. Or, or there's an outbreak at, at a school and they're, you know, they have to be home again. And so it's very, it can be very disruptive to scheduling and planning. And yes, we've seen that a lot of the, the work to care for children, to care for el elderly family members, a lot of folks, you know, that I've spoken to, a lot of my friends even, are dealing with being sandwiched in the middle of a lot of those responsibilities. And, and much of it that we've seen out there and, and the, the information is showing that women are still carrying the majority of that weight, that unfortunately has not shifted as much as it, it should have and could have as we are now, you know, in year two of the pandemic. So this has been an issue that presented itself right away in the first wave when everything got shut down. So yeah, things are starting to open up, but it's still, first of all, it's still very, very, there's very quick changes and disruptions that are happening because of COVID and uh, inability to be able to access some of those services and or programs. The, the second is that we, we also have this inflexibility and this, this traditional structure of childcare that has been a struggle for many women entrepreneurs for many years. It's not a nine to five job, as you know, any entrepreneur can tell you. So having access to flexible childcare to and even even women or parents who are dealing with shift work, having more flexible models of childcare, even being able to say, we often look to our community. So if you look at those diverse voices around around the table that we want to include in these decisions, that quite often women from diverse communities are looking into their own communities to help support the raising of their children. How is that being paid for? How is that being supported? How is that being compensated? And there's a whole different model of childcare. It's kind of a, an informal model that's being used in, you know, a lot through the pandemic, especially 
for women to rely on other others outside of our traditional childcare system to be able to take care of to take care of their kids as they're trying to still keep their doors open of their businesses you know and thrive beyond the pandemic during and beyond the pandemic so there's a few there's i mean i could talk about this for <laughs> hours and hours but but the, definitely there's there has been there's always been issues with the traditional childcare model Mm-hmm. And it has not changed really since it began. So some childcare providers will provide that flexibility in those, you know, the difference in services. But the the traditional structure of what daycare childcare looks like really hasn't changed too much since since I was a daycare kid. I won't say mm-hmm. when, I won't age myself, <laughs> but but back in the day. Do you think that this was a missed opportunity to kind of reimagine what that could look like? I think the opportunity is still there. I really believe that this is an area in particular where women with the experience that women have and the insights that women have could could create something that has a global impact that would not only make their daily lives easier, but could also make the daily lives easier for women around the world. And I know that solution has got to be percolating in the brains of women out there somewhere. So the opportunity is still there. And I really do think this could be the place, Edmonton, Alberta, this could be the place where this kind of like systemic change around childcare could be born. And how exciting would that be? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've certainly talked to some daycare providers over the past couple months as well in terms of where things are out there. So I think certainly it seems like the current system is is not working for a number of reasons, um, especially during the pandemic. So um, that would certainly be intriguing to see what what potentially how else that could work. In terms of International Women's Day, how how do you plan to mark that at AWE? So at AWE, we love to showcase local uh, local businesses, of course, women-owned businesses that we love to support. We're not doing an event this year. We are going to be supporting and participating in a number of, of events that are happening next week. So it feels, and I'm happy to say this, it, I mean, it should every day should be International Women's Day, but it feels <laughs> like events are really starting to stretch through that full week of of International Women's Day, which is fantastic. And so, you know, we're going to be Definitely celebrating on our social media as I as a team. We're definitely going to be talking about our favorite stories and what more. We're always talking about what more we think we can do to support women entrepreneurs out there. What are we hearing? What are we seeing the needs to be? What are we doing that's working? And what can we do better to continue to evolve to meet those needs? So that's that's often how it doesn't sound like much of a celebration, but we do love to talk about it and. It is really, we live it every day. So it's really wonderful for us to be sharing and amplifying the stories that are being told out there and the celebration of women uh, in all parts of society on International Women's Day. We just give some extra love out to all of the women entrepreneurs around the world, but especially those that are here in our community that we know have been struggling. It has impacted every single person, every single business. COVID has not been easy on anyone. And we are so proud of the incredible work that that all the women are doing here in our province to uh, to keep our their businesses going 
keep our economy going and to keep our communities getting stronger. So so we we just put out as much love as we possibly can. Okay. Um, well, this has been really fantastic. So thank you so much for your time. I did want to ask you one more thing while I have you. Uh, you're also on the board for Explore Edmonton. Um, and so when we think about uh, getting people here after a long time of them not coming during the pandemic and while well, travel has been really challenging, do you think that there's, when we think about innovating uh, and innovation in the visitor economy, what what we could do to kind of approach this challenge differently when we think about getting people back to Edmonton? Yes. Well, I mean, this is obviously something that's been on our minds at Explore Edmonton. There is so much fantastic energy in this city. I mean, I think that's why I keep coming back here and, and my heart has always been uh, in the Edmonton region, I would say. I, I grew up just outside of the city. But I, I would say this this opportunity around innovation in the visitor economy, we have wonderfully unique things to share with the world here in Edmonton. And our you know, our entrepreneurship, our innovation in the entrepreneurship space, you know, I, I think it's a fantastic place to visit if that's if that's something of interest. And uh, we actually hosted a delegation from Germany who came here specifically for that reason. And so, you know, those kinds of opportunities to to showcase what we're doing to the world, the innovation piece too around how can we the indigenous tourism, indigenous visitor economy that is we are so closely connected to a variety of of Métis and First Nation communities in and around Edmonton, and there's some fantastic resources and you know if you look at Fort Edmonton and the indigenous experience that is that's a globally unique experience how can we create more of those kinds of innovations to showcase the incredible c- contributions and uh, celebrate the the work of indigenous people in our community and also showcase the indigenous entrepreneurs that are part of the the visitor economy as a whole so again i could probably talk about this all day but there's so many opportunities for us to to look at each piece of the visitor economy and 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 connect that into to all the amazing innovation work that's going on so Perhaps that's an area too where we can explore in the future to say, what are some really cool ideas that uh, that we could build through entrepreneurs to showcase our city, to uh, to be able to connect in the various organizations in the ecosystem that are supported by the city, uh, Explore Edmonton included, to really bring Edmonton up to that next level. Those of us who live here we get it. We know why we love it. And bringing that innovation to share that message, to share our story, to amplify that, along with building these really cool experiences that are unique to only Edmonton, I think would would be a win-win. And so really excited to see how all of that is going to take shape, you know, guided through our 10-year uh, tourism plan and the 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 city plans uh, as well. So, you know, we're on the verge of really exciting times in the visitor economy for Edmonton. Of course, we have to we have to see where where COVID takes us, but we're poised to position ourselves really strongly as a unique interesting, diverse place to be and to visit. And that will 
through the time and talent of people here in Edmonton will make all the difference. Um, and I know we're going to get there. Okay. Well, I would love to to dig into this further in the future, but um, for now, thank you very much. You've given, given us lots to think about. Uh, so thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Bloom is brought to you by Innovate Edmonton. Here's a word from our sponsor. At Innovate Edmonton, we are elevating our city as a global capital of innovation, a thriving center of inspiration, ingenuity, and growth. Our role is to empower you as local innovators, connecting you to capital and customers, helping you to achieve your goals and make a global impact. We're supporting career-defining jobs for a rapidly changing world where companies, consumers, and investors are looking for a triple bottom line of people, planet, and prosperity. When global investment looks at Edmonton, we can demonstrate an innovation ecosystem working in harmony with healthy access to capital, collaborative communities, and a competitive spirit. Go to InnovateEdmonton.com today to learn how to accelerate your business. Well, speaking of female entrepreneurs, you uh, are an entrepreneur yourself, and um, I understand you are going to be putting a bit of a spotlight on the woman um, in your supply chain for Field Notes next week as part of International Women's Day. Yeah. I mean, it's been really cool to to start this business for many reasons. Obviously, getting to make alcohol is fun, um, but also meeting all of these people that I didn't know have been you know, growing things here and they're responsible for so much of what we see and consume on a daily basis that I just never realized. And um, so for International Women's Day, we not only wanted to feature a lot of the local businesses that give us some of the amazing ingredients that go into our product, but it's also really nice to see that um, there is a female partner in every single one of those businesses. Uh, So some of the businesses that we're spotlighting and the women uh, include Elizabeth Boshma from Chickadee Farms. That's where we get all of our botanicals from. And then Monique is the co-owner of Beaver Creek Apiaries, where we get our honey. Um, And then of course, our distiller who helped us come up with the delicious formula that we have is Julia Lee. And she is the head distiller at the Fort Distillery, which is the company that does all of our manufacturing and packaging. Uh, And of course, we're proud of the fact that we are female owned. And my business partner, Lindsay Good, he owns a hundred year old farm uh, in Carstairs. And he and his wife, Kim, are the ones who supply us with the peas for our alcohol. And Kim herself has been an amazing help to us because she is an agronomist and has very advanced education in all of the plants and crops that grow in the prairies. So it's been it's been a really interesting experience just learning more about these different industries. And I just love seeing that there's so many women involved in, in all parts of it. Yeah, that that is really incredible. Is that something that you consciously were thinking about as you thought about sourcing different ingredients um, at the beginning? You know what? It it wasn't actually, if, if I'm being truthful. And the reason is because my first inclination was that I wanted everything to be local. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was more of the priority for me is that everything, I want everything to be from the region. But as we started working with Julia and formulating the Amaro, 
it just came to be that we got to learn the stories behind the suppliers. And to me, it just became a really nice added bonus that there were so many women involved. But it is interesting because when you talk to the women involved, they're really quick to put themselves in like a very support role in the business, Mm -hmm. but they're not. They're very much at the forefront and very much responsible for a lot of the progress that their businesses have made. But I think that's something that we definitely need to do some work on as women is how we actually can communicate our own value in our businesses. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's something um, as I've done interviews over the years with uh, whether that's female entrepreneurs or just women involved in in different projects that are happening. I think that that's something I see as well in terms of maybe not minimizing, but just not being as quick to step up and claim the glory (laughs) or recognition (laughs) um, when often like for sure that that recognition is is well deserved. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that's really neat that you're you're able to to spotlight, and I think as well too, like as much as possible that as women that can lift up other women. I think that that's always really important to see too, just in terms of that recognition. If it's not necessarily going to come from yourself, that uh, that at least we can you know do our part to support and cheer on everyone else that's that's doing incredible work too. Mm-hmm. And I think even when you look in the hospitality industry or the retail sector, there's so many amazing women that create concepts for restaurants or bar menus or uh, liquor stores, you know, even like Juanita Ruz who started Color Divino, uh, which is mm-hmm. now, you know, bringing in the second generation in the family to to help run it with Kelsey and and her husband Ramon. Like it's just really amazing to see that there are so many intentional values behind what products and what concepts people support as owners of these businesses. Um, and I think that's pretty amazing. I, I remember, you know, our first customer was Range Road and I worked with Caitlin, who is the co-owner of Range Road and the Butchery. And she has been extremely supportive of our product. And she is very conscious of the ingredients and all of the product that they represent at Range Road and at the Butchery. And I just think that there's a lot of conscious thinking that goes into so many parts of a business when when women are in the leadership role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point as well. I think uh, this next one you will also <laughs> be a fan of in terms of food and beverage related um, news. So I learned something new today that Canada is the second largest importer of strawberries in the world with 33 million pounds that are imported each year just into Alberta. So to meet that demand, Grow Here, which is a Calgary-based vertical farming company, is developing its first commercial facility for indoor strawberry production. And it plans to do that at the Edmonton International Airport, which we uh, obviously just talked to them recently about the innovation happening there. So another great piece of news um, for EIA. And they announced a new egg accelerator program last year that aims to help develop local food and beverage companies. Um, So Grow Here is hoping to be operational and planting their first strawberry plants uh, by the end of this year, actually, with full production capacity by the second quarter of 2023. 
And Fresh Plaza, who uh, initially reported on this, says that Grow Here is hoping to reach their peak production of 4 million pounds of strawberries per year um, from this first facility. And and obviously the the goal is to have um, a couple more facilities down the road, but that's a lot of strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lot of strawberries. And I mean, it is funny when you think about it, that we can get strawberries year round at any grocery store we go to. Mm -hmm. But I hope that with these ones, they can hopefully taste a little bit better and be, uh, be a little bit more strawberry like year round. So this is, Mm -hmm. this is exciting. I can't wait. Yeah. No, I think really neat as well. And just like it always such another good example of of how everything that happening at the airport goes so much further beyond travel. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get my hands on some of those strawberries. I'm always curious, like, are they um because I know I don't really read strawberry labels very closely, but it usually <laughs> says, you know, like from California or from wherever they're they've been farmed out of. But um, you know, hopefully these will say, you know from Edmonton or, um, yeah. that they've, that they've come from here. And that would be really neat. Well, I think Emily, we, we should potentially, um, do an on-site episode, uh, on mm-hmm. opening day so that we can see what these strawberries really look and smell and taste like. Um, so maybe we can, maybe we can chat with the folks over at Grow Here and, and see <laughs> yes. if there's, if we can snag an invitation. <laughs> That's a great idea. Of course, like definitely due diligence in terms of <laughs> strawberry oh, yeah. inspection. Yeah, this is a serious. This is a serious business over here. <laughs> um, all right. Well, a couple other things. Uh, Woman in AI Canada has a new Edmonton lead. So Bernie Coleman, um, who's the founding city lead for the Edmonton chapter of Women in AI, has now uh, passed that title on to Asma Saida who is the senior manager of product at Rogers Communications. So that'll be interesting to see what uh, what she's able to do with that role. And then uh, Startup Edmonton, the head, um, Christian Tokarski, has announced that, uh, announced last week, actually, sorry, that he uh, was leaving to become an entrepreneur and his last day there was February 25th. That's it for this week. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss upcoming episodes of Bloom. You can also visit taprootedmonton.ca for the latest innovation news. Bloom is produced by Taproot Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Dave Von Beeker and cover art by Vicky Wersinski.